0: Hi, this is Marcus. If you head over to modernartisrubbish.com, you'll be able to get access to the images we talk about in this week's podcast. Modern Art is Rubbish. recording oh is it good is it coming through as a good thing what are we on episode
1: 34 36 36 well you, there were two silly numbers weren't there the yeah but, but what's episodes? the real what's the real episode yeah you can't the real episode is 36 but officially it's 34
0: okay so hello <laughs> and welcome to episode number 34 of modernitis rubbish podcast are you right, tom
1: yeah i'm good thanks marcus yes
0: so um it's a bit, bit summery, isn't it, at the moment? And um, technically, uh, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say now.
1: Technically, gonna... it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of got distracted as to how I was going to
0: introduce it. Anyway, we've got a couple of things coming up today. Uh, we've got a an exhibition of a fantastic painter that we went to see in Brighton. And also, we are going to talk about... Uh, an artist who painted what I consider to be one of my favourite all-time paintings, and also an artist who did a really good, quite a, what I would quite call a, quite a good blag, if
1: uh, that's the word. That sounds up your street. What, blagging? Have blagging. I blagged? Well, you like artists that blag. What was the Italian guy you liked? Oh, yes. I like Catalan. Catalan, like yeah. A, there
0: was a lot of blagging going on there. And... Um, that reminds me of the story a friend, Paul. He knew this guy once who uh, he got to drive loads of cars when the National Lottery was just starting up because he basically went in and said he'd won some money in the lottery and he got to drive all these nice sort of cars. And
1: What, testing. he went to a showroom, yeah, said, said I've, won I've just lot. won the first so I've
0: won, Camelot? I've won, I've won some money on the lottery, that's what he said. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, he got to drive out and he was actually featured in The uh, in, in the Sun. Uh, about his sort of like spree of going and trying out with his cards and getting all these good freebies. Basically, it turned out that I, I believe he just um, he had one, but he'd won on a scratch card, like about
1: five pounds. Oh, uh, well done, <laughs> good for him. Yeah, yeah. I've
0: I've, n- I've not won much. I think the biggest I ever won was fifteen pounds. Yeah, but on a horse.
1: Oh, on a horse. Yeah, yeah. 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 So did you take your winning ticket to the Porsche showroom? To the Porsche showroom? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: no, no. So on to the, on to the, first, the first artist. So we went to um, a gallery show in Brighton. And we went to see an artist called Kate Sherman, who's a really, really good, really good painter.
1: So this was at the Onger Gallery. Is that, have I said Onge. that right? Onger? No,
0: Onger's Onge, in Essex. All oh, right. What Onca. is it? Oh, oh, sorry. Gallery.
1: Okay. Let me cut that bit. Yeah. <laughs> this was at the Onger Gallery. <laughs> yeah.
0: And um, um, I'll actually use the description from her website because it's actually pretty good. And uh, uh, it says here about her work the paintings all oil on board originate from photographs she's taken of her surrounding landscapes uh, of her surrounding landscape this photographic source is important because the paintings capture a reflective notion of memory emotional distance between a real landscape and a photograph between experience and longing now she did uh she did lots of painting for the coast didn't she
1: yeah it all looked like quite familiar like at the sussex coast yeah um,
0: and what I really liked was with her painting uh, for people who might know be familiar with the American artist Edward Hopper and Edward Hopper painted sort of scenes of real life right yeah as you do it's her work, when I saw it, it evokes memories for me of, of particularly of my childhood. Sort of familiar. familiar
1: scenes, yeah, because you see that, yeah, all, all the roads and the houses, yeah. and there was one that was just two cars parked, yes, and it had their number plates kind of yeah. obscured, yeah. But it was such a normal thing that you see if you imagine going down the same street
0: a thousand times in your life or whatever day in day out in the end everything becomes normal yeah but occasionally they will be bathed in a beautiful light
1: yeah, it's almost like uh, it's, it's, she's doing the job of your memory. Yes. Because there's a kind of mistiness to these pictures. Yes. There's these familiar yeah, yeah. images with a kind of mist on them, as yes. if you're remembering something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't
1: know if your memory works like that, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> 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 My memory, I
0: normally like, would really have stuck a monster in it by now.
1: I... But, you know, in your memory, it would be slightly misted, wouldn't it, yes. the monster? And his teeth would have a kind yeah. of funny sort of mist over it. Yes things can and present it, it was interesting how you said uh, you had a story of your childhood you were telling me looking at these pictures Yeah, me looking at them reminded me of being a child on family yeah. holiday or something driving up the coast yeah. to Suffolk where my family we used to go on holiday every yeah, year yeah. to Suffolk coast something even though the, the images images don't necessarily look like houses on the Suffolk coast. For some reason, it just reminded me of, yeah. of my childhood I
0: mean, going up there. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's like that sort of looking out that window and seeing a house rush past, you know. And also, I, I, I have a uh, a pathological dislike of bungalows and there's a painting of a bungalow here, so I always
1: remember. So, uh, so how long have you been aware of this dislike of bungalows? <laughs>
0: I don't like the word. It makes me feel funny as well. I don't know
1: why. Oh, is it because of bungalow and rainbow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I actually prefer to call them single-story dwellings, and I don't, I just don't like the ones because they always look like truncated houses. What
1: well, you mean, like they were formerly a high house and it's been chopped? Yeah, it's
0: like it's not by a, not a right. house surgeon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <I like that. laughs>
0: So on to the, uh, the next thing, which is uh, I'm going to like to talk about the artist who painted my favorite work, which is Jules Olitsky. Now, um, Jules Olitsky is what was known is he's, he's a painter that um, he was born in 1922, and he became famous in the 1960s, and he was actually as part of a movement called Postpainterly Abstraction,
1: or PBA. <laughs>
0: now post painterly abstraction came after abstract expressionism so uh, those of you are listening at home you're probably aware of the works of like Wilhelm de Kooning and Jackson Pollock very very expressive abstract works clearly you could see you know if you were, if you were in front of a, a Pollock painting you know that it's his because his marks are all over it you know those drips and what uh, post painting the abstraction uh, was was it was a kind of like a movement that sprung up in sort of like the sixties, where artists kind of removed themselves from that process, so you couldn't tell necessarily who had painted it. So, so because there was no kind of marks, so there was obviously still a style of paint. So, it was, but it might just be a big blue shape or a big big sort of abstract shape like with Ellsworth Kelly, the artist, or it. It might just be, you know, big areas of colour, but it's not, you can't, there's no kind of drips or things that you could identify the artist that's done it. You, you, you would only be able to identify them by, uh, by the style. So it's kind of like, they're almost like removing themselves from the process more, so it's more abstracts, less about the person and more about the painting. It's 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 about, you know, whereas with Pollock it's definitely about how Pollock works and his work and he's in the person, you know, it's an abstract and it's him there. But whereas Look there, how great a- I am at painting. <laughs> Look at my
1: latest work. This is my finest. I'm gonna write Pollock across the middle <laughs> in big letters. Let's make it capital, shall we? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: So, um, so Alitsky, he wouldn't be like that. No, he'd be like, "Can you remove my name from the? Someone's put my <laughs> name on here. We want that off the painting. Can you just smudge it over? We don't want it identified." <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, and well, no, they still put the name in the brochure. In the brochure, yeah, yeah. yeah but, but they'd
1: yeah. wipe it for fingerprints before <laughs> they send it to the gallery. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: do you want to buy a quick biog about Jules Alitsky? Yes, go, on then, yeah, going, go on then, yeah, go on. So, George Alitsky was born in Russia, uh, a part that is now actually Ukraine, and unfortunately, his father was executed before he was born, and his mother emigrated to America with him in 1923. He was actually born, uh, by the way, Jevril Demikovsky, and um, his surname. He adopted the surname Alitsky. Um It came from his actual his. What I would say would be his stepfather, but it comes from his stepfather's name. And uh, the I in Alitsky came from the fact that someone misspelled his name on a brochure and he quite liked it and stuck with it. Cool, yeah, yeah. So he misspells your name, just use it. Um, so you know he was quite talented when he was a kid.
1: can I just add to yeah. the misspelling of your name i ha- i was a member of p and o ferries when yeah. I was four or five p o you <laughs> yeah. you're a they member of, t- you're a member of fairies p o they had a, like a child's ferry club so you could get cheap tickets for children <laughs> so, so me and my sisters were rubbish. all members for family holidays but on my membership cards and on all my yeah. forms they'd spelt my name t o m k Tomk burton Tomk, yeah <laughs> Tom. So that was like uh I quite liked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, okay Tom. To, to be honest, yeah, I didn't stick with it, which might have been a error. Yeah.
0: Tomk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tomk. Yeah, okay, Tomk. That's, that's an intro. So I'll maybe that should be
1: that'll be my art name, Tomk. Tomk. Maybe that should be my modern sounds art. Sounds like rubbish w- name. It sounds a bit like a troll name. But not
0: a troll, like a proper troll, not like an internet troll. In 1935, you know, he had a So he showed an early... um, Elitsky showed an early aptitude for drawing. What a surprise that he becomes an artist. And in 1935, he started taking the odd art class and eventually he went on to be awarded a scholarship to study at the uh, Pratt... Yeah, I did study at the Pratt Institute. So... He went to study at the Pratt Institute of Art and, um, and eventually he went on to study at the Beaux Arts Institute in New York, 1940 to 42. And in late 1948, he went to study in Paris. And he came back, uh, and in 1950, he was, um, in 1950, he, he came back to, to uh, America from Paris and he became quite famous in the 1960s when the art writer and critic clement greenberg decided described him as being the best painter in america and he became the first living painter to have a show in the metropolitan museum of art and he continued to paint and experiment until he died in 2007. great yeah so there was a little bit of a story because i did talk about the uh the blag but we will be to come talking about the Blag uh, later on, just so people are aware. But first, I'd just like to talk about Colourby's works.
1: Yeah, so we went to the, uh, after we saw Kate Sherman, we yeah. went to uh, the Brighton Museum. Museum, yes. Yeah.
0: And I was there to show you what I consider to be one of my all-time favourite paintings, which is called Open Option. Now, to describe, it's one of those paintings where you walk into a gallery and a lot of people look at it and go, well, what the hell is here? what is this painting of
1: yeah it hasn't been finished yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> look at it it's all rough there yeah.
0: <laughs> can you get
1: the painters to come back in and go over that bit yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's that kind of thing and then the thing is is that what it is is it's uh when you look at it i thought when i first saw it i thought oh, i like this and then i i you know the next time i came into the gallery and this is over as sort of several years I looked at it and I sat in front of it and I was thinking is this Emperor's new clothes or do I genuinely like this painting Uh, over the last sort of 15 years or so of living in Brighton I've probably spent at least 10 hours in front of that painting
1: well just sitting in front of it yeah you're not, are you sure you're not on your phone texting or <laughs> you're just looking at the painting?
0: Yeah, well, I might have something, I might be listening to a, a podcast like Modern Night is Rubbish.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you listen to it and go wh- as you walk around galleries? Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I recommend everyone does that. And the thing is, is I mean, you look at this painting, Is you look at it, I mean, it's a huge painting. What is it about? It's about two, two meters across the bottom, about three meters tall it's beige and it's 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 kind of f- flat and it's actually been created with this, with a spray gun but it's hardly any kind of uh of marks from the actual artist apart from on the borders where uh Alitsky's actually sort of made a mark in yellow or made a mark in sort of a sort of a greeny color the thing is is when you look at it you just have to allow yourself to just sit in front of it and gradually when you first see it you think it's all on the surface you think it's all flat it's all like an unfinished painting As some people you look at it and you see all these colors and you see it moving and and you can see into deep it's almost like looking into a color cloud for me
1: wow yeah and uh you know so, what's the most unexpected colour you you found while you were sat there well, in front of it? Well, when you, you
0: look at it, you do see green and you do see other colours, but you also see that it's it's called open option and it looks endless. Whoa! It's, now, how he creates this effect is he uses he uses spray guns. Uh, he's a very experimental kind of painter, so he he started off staining canvases. And then gradually, around the sort of like his most famous period, he would create these colours by just using spray spray guns, industrial spray guns, and just spraying the layers up and building it up and building it up and building it up until he creates this kind of like this cloud of colour. Um, Have you ever used a spray gun? No, I haven't actually. I've used I've used a toothbrush and flicked it. That's about as experimental as I got. He
1: flicked toothbrush
0: yeah you put that would paint. take
1: ages to build a cloud up with uh, by flicking a uh, toothbrush you imagine a spray gun you could get your color cloud going quite yeah, quick yeah
0: yeah
1: <laughs> you see yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: well even yeah toothbrush on a big canvas you know it would be it's um and he also even experimented with a leaf blower
1: oh right yeah yeah so did he i mean yeah a leaf blower what did the leaves actually? Did he actually use leaves with the leaf blower or he put paint in it? No, I, I assume he used it to push paint around. I don't know how. I mean, but that was before he worked out actually he should get a, a a paint gun, yeah, a spray gun, <laughs> yeah. So He's got like this leaf blower. It, it's just not working. Can we get back to uh, b and Q? We get one of them uh, spray guns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean. It's quite funny because considering that uh, this is a quote from, from Jill Zaletsky, he actually said this once, he said, I am apprehensive of almost anything that plugs into a wall. So he's using leaf blowers and he's using spray guns. I am defeated by TVs and microwaves. I can handle a toaster, but short of that, I fear and tremble.
1: So electric toothbrush not going to go with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I never
0: thought that I could use electric toothbrush to make my paintings. So. Yeah, I might yeah. Manual toothbrush. Because
1: you can get the changeable heads on them. Yeah. For oh, all yeah. the different colours. I've
0: got a lot of old heads that I could use. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he did. He used. He used like three spray guns. But you know, for someone who's quite scared of uh, tech.
1: Yeah, spray guns quite advanced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean towards
0: the end he, he, he would use things like squeegees mops and he would experiment with different gels because for Jules Zielinski it was all about the effects, the paint, the experimentation and very much it was about it was about look at this what I've done with a painting and it was all about the painting itself it wasn't about him, it was about as I say, about remo- the artist removing themselves from the work and creating seeing what they can create with this surface of the paint you know and in the end he uh, sort of his later stuff he progressed to using mittens so if when you actually see the canvases they're like giant canvases with like massive brush strokes because
1: he's using oh, right. mittens. so is that towards the end of his life because yeah. they often say like old people go back to their childhood and yeah towards the end so it's like doing the handprints yeah yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but i again his his most popular works is from the 60s and and Gradually, his later work—he became—he wasn't so fashionable, so he was extremely famous and extremely pop sought after. But because he always wanted to
1: change, he, yeah, yeah, he was always a little bit indie, in, indie, indie's not right word. I don't know if it's indie, but he didn't he care. Like, he just yeah, likes about, do,
0: yeah, he liked doing his own work. Just to mention another one of his paintings, we're looking at one—a purple one—which
1: is at. Absolutely huge. Where, where Where is this one? Because the first one we've been talking about is in Brighton Museum. Brighton
0: Museum. This one's in the Tate in London, right? And this painting is probably one of the biggest he's ever made. It's nearly three metres. It's nearly six and a half metres wide by three metres high. That's quite big. It's quite a big painting. It's a, and it's a sort of like a flat purple painting. But there's lots of colours. I can see there's yellow undulating underneath it. Gold, orange. Yeah, I mean... Again, this is what we've seen on the internet. I've not actually ever seen this painting up in front and you have to see Jules Zulitsky's work in the flesh to really, really understand it.
1: Yeah, or to see its wonder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so even
0: if, you're, even if you are standing in front of a Jules Zulitsky, you're not always going to uh, necessarily like it. Um, as uh, one woman who we, we were speaking to in the gallery, uh, she gave her view on it.
1: I'm not impressed. i mean in art galleries people are not necessarily going to like everything some people aren't going to like anything no no we i mean if you're in front of a great pollock like like this lady as she demonstrates i'm not impressed (laughs) or in front of a great van gogh as this lady says i'm not impressed
0: I can see in your face well I've been talking about all this sort of post paintly abstraction and, and uh, PPA yeah <laughs> and wonderful <laughs> wonderful paintings of the f- of the familiar and f- uh, paintings that evoke memory you've been saying but where's the blag where's the blag
1: Marcus where's the blag well
0: I'd like to tell you a, a little story about Joel Zielinski. Um when he came back from Paris you think oh well yeah he you know you read you read in a biography and you just think they just say oh he went to Paris and then he got his first one man show if you go on Wikipedia you see that and there's kind of like there's big gaps where the, it, you know there's big gaps in uh, things that happen you know when he returned back from Paris to New York Jules Zelitsky had you know he had very little money to survive on and you know he also had a daughter that was being looked after by his family now you can imagine he's there he's got very little money and you know so he lived in a cold flat in a rough area of new york and apparently the flat he lived in was so bad he'd wake up in the morning to find that our items in the house had been chewed by rats mainly books apparently uh, i think they they like books well i can
1: relate to that with toby my pet dog (laughs) so oliski's in his flat yeah he wakes up in the morning and he's like "Toby you chewed my painting." <laughs> <laughs> so
0: he basically he you know to get by he stole paint uh, and uh, canvases and he he kind of saw himself as a Robin Hood kind of character. I don't know if Robin Hood just stole for himself though, did he?
1: But he did do some great paintings, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he painted the rich and gave them to the poor. <laughs>
0: You know, so you obviously think, well, if you're that starving, there'll, there'll be a lot of people who go. Well, why don't you get a job, get a proper job? So, so he, he did. He did try one job, and he was working in in Times Square as a barker, which is called It's not to do with dogs, by the way. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was gonna
1: say, sounds like a great job. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> so basically you stand outside a, a film a movie theater and you tell people the film's gonna start in five minutes quick hurry up you know we the doors are closing get in the film and apparently he did it so well he was so good at this job that he um he was actually asked by the boss can you come in and uh can you man the phones for us can you actually uh Answer the phone, yeah. You know, and, yeah, yeah. Answer <laughs> glad <laughs> we clarified that one, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cleared that one. Phone <laughs> yeah, yeah. so. security,
1: you can't touch that handset. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so basically, he would, you know, people would ring up and ask him when the times were, uh, but there was a, a little bit of a problem here because, uh, when people would ask him what the the movie was about, he would basically make up films. So, yeah. so if they said, "Oh, well, what's this film about?" He would generally just make up a plot line. And uh,
1: so have you got an example?
0: Norm- normally, it would involve a, <laughs> a struggling artist. And of course, what would happen was his movie goes complain as soon as the uh, you know as soon as when the movie was not as what was described to them. So. Um, so people would go there thinking they were going to go and see one film movie goers would then realize that it wasn't what he described and they'd uh, uh they'd get very angry and eventually got the
1: sack i mean if you were running a movie theater yeah, you yeah. would sack him wouldn't yeah,
0: you yeah, yeah roxy of times square hello can i help you uh
1: hello yes um, my wife and I are interested in coming to your movie theater this afternoon. We were interested in your film, Back to the Future. Yeah,
0: Back to the Future. That's great. That's about a uh, it's about a life of a struggling artist. It's a biography about his whole life from birth to death. And his entire film, he actually walks backwards with his back to the future. And at some point, it's a love story, and he meets a woman coming the other way, and she's got her back. To the future as well. She's walking backwards and they fall in love.
1: Well, myself, that's great. But myself and my wife were wondering whether it has any s- scenes of a sexual nature in it.
0: Oh, yes, loads. Absolutely loads, mate.
1: Okay, we'll see you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so did he try any other jobs?
0: Uh, well, no, this is, this is it. He realised <laughs> that he, um, he, he really should try and be an artist. So he grabs as many paintings as he can carry and he sort of walks around to the smaller galleries. And he was co- sort of confronted by the same standard reply uh, You know, you're good, but you're not for us. There's no space for your kind of work in our gallery. So what do you do? You know, you've tried with the smaller galleries. Oh, let's go for the bigger ones. You might as well, if you're not getting in the smaller ones, you might as well just go big. Go big or go home.
1: All right, yeah, go big or go home. Yeah. We're getting it's starting to go a bit Brexit again. Oh no! I'm going to
0: bleep out that word.
1: All right. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Yeah. No Trump. Oh no. No Banksy. So first he went to the uh, a gallery called the Charles Egan Gallery and was informed that his work was good, and like really good, as good as any of the painters in the gallery currently show showing. She said, "Well, you know, if I'm as good as those painters," he asked the Litsky. He said. You know why why don't you take me on as well and he was informed well we've already got those painters why do we need you as well if you've already got two really good painters on your books you don't necessarily need another one
1: yeah two two good ones enough why do we need three good painters (laughs) go home
0: he tried a few other galleries with no luck at this point you think well what are you going to do you know he came to the conclusion that just having good paintings was not enough to get a foot in the door. I think it's quite true, though, isn't it, these days? You know, you can't just just be good at something. You've got to have a little bit of an extra story or something to go with it. Yeah. You know, I don't know what you've got to do. You've got to have, like, an arm coming out of your head or something. Oh, right, yeah. Maybe not.
1: Yeah, well, into the well, if you want to get into the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Circus perthor- Performers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: So he came up, he was walking back, and he thought, well, I've got to do something. So he came up with a sort of bizarre and crazy sort of uh, idea. So what he thought he'd do was he'd invent an artist with uh, an incredible story and hopefully get his work in the galleries that way. He came up with the name Javel Demikoff. Now, the story is this artist was a prodigious talent and was recognised by Joseph Stalin after he saw one of the uh, painter's social realist works. Bravo! basically Stalin took so much of an interest in his artistic developments that he arranged for Demikov to go to Paris in 1950. And that's apparently where Elitsky said he met this, this uh, made-up artist. Demikov, when he got back to Moscow, he would work by day on his pictures of heroes of the USSR. And by night, he secretly worked on his radical and forbidden abstract works. So this style of painting, this, this illicit, abstract art spread across the whole of the USSR, you know, and it made him and this artist Demikoff the enemy of the people. So he fled to America, Demikoff. (laughs) So with his fake artist backstory now created, he decides to create an exhibition to show the work of his mystery artist, his, his own paintings.
1: What, under his own name or under this no, name under, of...
0: under no, to Demikoff, yeah, Demikoff yeah so yeah, he's yeah. going to have a group show with some great artists so what he does is he creates an exhibition called Le Coeur de Paris Aujourd'hui
1: is this an actual real exhibition yes. or is it a real
0: exhibition yeah
1: of his own work it's of real his real own work but he's under he, a fake name yes
0: and his work's going to be featured in the name of Demikoff along as but it's a group show along with other famous names Now he actually managed to borrow quite a lot of uh, seriously important works from various galleries around New York. When the exhibition finished, he returned all the paintings back. When he went to one called the Alexander Iolas Gallery, the owner actually asked him, you know, uh, how did it go? And Olitsky handed him a flyer which had names on it like Matisse, Picasso, Leger and also Demikov. So, of course, I mean, if you're a galleryist, you're going to go, well, I recognise that name too, so who's Demikov? Who are you? And Elitsky told him the story of this artist, Demikov, that he came from Russia and he met him in Paris and he's now in New York. He said, look, I can get you some of these works. The gallery owner says, yes, yes, please do, please do. So Elitsky went home, grabbed a load of his own paintings and um, showed them to the gallery owner. And the gallery owner said, this guy's a genius. I really want to meet this guy. I don't like to do business without without meeting the guy. And of course, you think you've just made up an artist's name. So in the end, the is thinking, "Well, what can I do?" And Alitzky actually said to the guy, "Look, I can't, I can't get this artist. So you can't meet him because he's in hiding, and I, I, it wouldn't be fair." And he can't think. So in the end, he says, "Look, it's me, it's me, it's me who's uh, who actually is Demikoff He says to the guy, and of course, the gallery owner looks at him and thinks, "Are you cracker? You're." you're completely mad
1: you're not Demikoff you're Litsky. <laughs> I've seen your your work before and it's not quite up to standard <laughs>
0: in the end despite that despite the thing of thinking it's crazy uh, the guy gave gave Alitsky his first show uh, six months later so let that be a lesson to you all blag <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it should be a bigger engine, doesn't it? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. So in the end, he actually gave him a—he actually did get an exhibition. Um. So Tom, that's our uh, Alitsky, Cape Sherman mashup. Is that a mashup? Was it a mashup?
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe po- well there they posh-up. could be a mosh yeah. Mosh-up po- pod, pod posh A vegan vegan mashup. Mash <laughs> <laughs> So
0: <laughs> um if you head over to our website, what's our website address? Modernartisrubbish.com. You can find all the links for our Facebook page, our Instagram, our Twitter, Twitter account, Patreon. And Patreon Details. Um, so if you just head over to modernartisrubbish.com you can find all those links there and if you want to email us it's info at modernartisrubbish.com. and it's just buys. bye 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 bye
1: bye Blaggy bye 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 boo bye boo, bye boo, boo.